I'm Jack Kennedy. And they hit a lot harder in my opinion too. What is up everybody? My name is Caelan McNamara and everyone's got a plan until they get hit with my views. I am Hunter Boss. He just wanted to go to the distance by the looks of it. He couldn't even do that. And this is the MMA Island Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the MMA Island Podcast. I am Jack Kennedy alongside Keelan McNamara, and we're here with the latest in MMA. Let's go ahead and get started with the news. Well, we're going to be reviewing the UFC Fight Night main event between Tiago Santos and Johnny Walker, and it went a little bit different than we expected it to, uh, but it was still a good fight, interesting result, uh, and interesting stakes for the light heavyweight division. Keelan, starting with you, what did you make of this main event? Yeah, Jack, you've definitely hit the nail on the head already, brother. It was not the fight that we expected at all, really, from either fighter. Um, Got to be honest, not mad at the decision. I think Thiago Santos definitely won it. Yeah. Um, probably won it, in fact, by about four rounds to one, I think I had it. So definitely the right decision was hard. To be honest with you, I, I'm not mad at the fight itself. I think the fight, even though it didn't play it the way we thought it would, I'm not mad at that. What I am mad at is John Kavanaugh in Johnny Walker's corner because the advice that, Walker's, that Walker was getting from his corner was atrocious. I mean, there were there were rounds, especially three and four off the top of my head, that Johnny Walker was clearly losing, clearly getting outstruck, and clearly getting outstruck with the heavier shots. And yet when the camera panned the Walker's corner, I mean, John Kavanaugh was saying, you're doing great, you're winning this round, keep doing what you're doing. no. He was losing every round. I mean, why are you telling fighters that they're winning when they're so clearly losing? That is not helping them. Your job as a corner is to take the fight by the scruff of the neck and tell them what they need to change. Not telling them they're winning when they're getting outstruck and they're getting outmaneuvered. I got to be honest. Um, I just think that was not the best version we saw of Johnny Walker at all. You know, he needed to be much more explosive and unpredictable. He was dull, predictable, easy to hit. And I think serious, serious questions need to be asked of his corner and the SBG, especially who were in his corner. Credit to Thiago Santos. It was a fantastic win for him, especially when I was so certain that Johnny Walker would win. I took my cap off to him because he was very, very good, very composed. But I think this fight, especially for Johnny Walker, raised a lot more questions than it answered. Yeah, hey, I agree with you in, in a lot of ways. However, I will say this. Johnny Walker's chin looks so much better than it had in a long time. And I think the way he was fighting was a lot less reckless. He was fighting like he was in there for a five-round fight. Now, that being said, that doesn't take away from what you said about the corner advice. You're absolutely correct about that. Um, and, and some of the other things, it felt like he was just holding back too much but he wasn't letting full go. He needs to find the balance in between what we saw on Saturday night and what we've seen throughout the rest of his career. If there's a middle of that somewhere, that could be a very dangerous Johnny Walker that we're talking about, but we haven't seen that yet. And will we ever see that is a big question. Um, now that being said, Thiago Santos, I think he did what he had to do. Look very composed. I love that word that you just said. That's perfect, perfect description of it. Um, he still, He's Tiago Santos still doesn't look like the same Tiago Santos that was him whenever he was on his title run. However, this fight was a big step up and a big change for him. And I thought he handled it very well. It's good to see him on a win again, and he'll be on a uh, 
you know, he'll get another high level opponent next. It'll be interesting to see how he handles that and how he adapts to honestly, he has to have a new fighting style than he did before because of the way his knees work and because of the wars that he's been in. Um, can he adapt to that? And maybe just the only criticism I have from Tiago Santos is maybe just ramp up the pace a little bit. Uh, if he ramps it up and starts working his stuff, if he's throwing a jab, setting stuff up rather than kind of sitting and waiting a little bit, then we could have a dangerous Tiago Santos again. Um, that being said, not to take away from his performance, I agree with you. I had four rounds to one for Tiago Santos. Some people had um, three rounds to two. I, there was some people saying that Johnny Walker won, but I, I don't I don't see it. Um, and I, I, I know Hunter's not with us today, and so we don't have to catch anything from him for picking Johnny Walker. But I wouldn't assume he scored the fight for Johnny Walker either. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, it was just a a very technical main event, not the madness that we thought it was going to be, but a good fight, a very solid fight. Um, and it's one that we look back on, not necessarily for the fight itself, but for the implications it will have for the rest of the division at 205. Um, and honestly, I, I was more, I'm looking for the right word here. I, I like Tiago Santos's performance, but I don't think it's enough in the long run. Um, as for Johnny Walker, what we said earlier, corner advice, I, I, we don't know why, and it did not, that's not going to get him where he needs to be in the long run. And for Johnny Walker also, just finding that balance between being himself and being just way too hesitant and not doing enough. And, and, and that's where he needs to be. If he finds that balance, Johnny Walker could be very dangerous. As for right now, I see these guys, honestly, I think this is a perfect matchup. I think they're about the same, honestly, skill level-wise. Um, and as for the rankings, I don't really see them challenging anyone too far above them. But we'll see in the coming times, and, uh, hey, maybe they'll get better. Yeah, um, like, I'm not going to cover Thiago Santos all that much because I think you've covered him very well and very extensively. I think everything you said is damn near perfect. My last sentence on this is going to be about Johnny Walker, and then that'll probably be it for me. Yeah. Um, I think Johnny Walker is a bit like the Kevin Holland of 205 and that his recklessness was his greatest strength, but it was also his greatest weakness because his opponents couldn't see what was coming. But the second they did, he was always in trouble and he could always be knocked out. I love your point in that he has to find that in between because I think that's very true. And what we saw from, I know this wasn't the original topic, but what we saw from Johnny Walker, we saw from Kevin Holland in the yeah. brief fight against Kyle Dawkins. And that he was too conservative. He's gone the other way from being too reckless. And he's almost losing the very thing that made him a big name and a big threat in the first place. So if he's able to dial it in and find that perfect in-between, then he could still realize his dream of winning the title at light heavyweight. He's more than gifted and talented enough, but he needs to find that in-between. I think Tiago Santos is getting closer to finding the in-between he kind of has an excuse for being hesitant 100%. because both of his knees were ruined by yeah. John Jones. But if Johnny Walker could follow the Tiago Santos path up tonight and expand on that, we could see a very, very dangerous fighter. Oh, yeah. Hey, I really like He's got so much career left in him. He's had a very young career up to this point. He's a young fighter. Johnny Walker has all the time in the world to develop and get to peak Johnny Walker, which hopefully we will see uh, from him. So, Great topic there. Let's get into the best of the best. And we have an interesting topic here. Who is right now currently the best bantamweight fighter in the UFC? Obviously, it's probably going to be between three people. 
uh, or maybe four, depending on who you're talking about. But Keelan, who's the best 135 right now? Man, this is such a tough question because I think the three, the three that we're talking about, we know the three we're talking about. And the three we're talking about, you could justifiably pick any one of them over the other. Aljamain Sterling, for all the hatred and for all the trolling he gets, is the legitimate 135-pound champion. Whether you like it, whether you love it, whether you love him, whether you hate him, he is the champion. He can't control whether he gets hit with an illegal shot or not. That's on the challenger, not the champion. That's just facts. And that fight has done him a massive disservice because people are now forgetting how much of an amazing fighter he actually is. Yeah, 100%. if you say Aljamain Sterling, I'm not going to criticize you because it's a fair point and it's a fair argument that you can build on. I think the easiest pick here is probably Piotr Jan. And the reason Piotr Jan's the easiest pick is because we haven't seen that very many people, if any, challenge Piotr Jan. The closest we've seen is with the absolute greatest of respect and aging Jose Aldo. And he still got violently crushed at the end of that fight without taking much damage in return. So... Piotr Jan is easily the best argument to make and the easiest argument to make. The argument I still think that I would make, and this isn't because I drafted him and this isn't out of blind loyalty. We knew this was coming. We knew this was coming, all right? I think I'd still make the argument that it was Corey Samhagen. And I just think there's so much on top potential for Samhagen. And he only has one or two holes in his game that needs fixed. And then I think he's unbeatable. Like I said, I still have him winning the TJ Dillashaw fight. I think he won that. What was the pivotal round? Was it round five? It was round five. Round five could go either way. Yeah, see, I had him winning round five. Uh, I think the data maybe just about support that. It could have gone either way, but I had him winning round five. And I think the wins that we've seen from Corey Sanhagen are just the flashes of how elite of a fighter he truly is. The, the spinning kick knockout over Marlon Marais, the flying knee over Frankie Edgar, that's just the tip of the iceberg. And realistically, Sam Hagen could have and should have knocked out Dillashaw on about four different occasions, but for the fact that he let himself get backed up against the fence for God knows what reason and let TJ clinch for dear life for a good majority of the fight. That being said, personal differences aside, and as much for being different as anything else, I'm going to make the argument that Corey Sanhagen is currently the best bantamweight in the UFC. Hey, I like it. And I like that we're going to disagree on this one. So let me let me say this first off. Hunter's pick is going to be Piotr Jan. And I think, I think we, he said that in the group chat earlier, and I think he was going to, we all know he was going to say that earlier. You know, just like we all knew Keelan was going to say Corey Sanhagen. I mean, that's given. Um I'm going to present my argument for Piotr Jan, and then I'll present an out-of-the-box one just because why not, and we'll get three perspectives in here, right? Because I do agree with what Hunter would have said um, in that Piotr Jan, I think, is the best 135. I've talked about this one on previous podcasts all the time, and you actually said the point. I haven't seen anyone really challenge him. We said Jose Aldo was his best challenge, and that was just because he was just waiting to unleash his stuff. Piotr Jan wasn't even, like, attacking at that point. Rounds three and four, it, it, it was just 10 8. You could argue even a 10 7 because he wasn't it was defending ugly. himself. It was terrible. Pyrion is a machine. He is a monster. And really, I think this whole conversation is going to be settled whenever they face off Corey Sanhagen and Pyrion at UFC 267, which thank God for that matchup. That is going to be incredible. I cannot wait for that. Um, for the interim, 
Bantamweight belt, but most people consider it for the best 135 pounder in the world, as do we as just, you know, our picks for this podcast. Um, again, I love what you said about Aljamain Sterling because he is a phenomenal, people forget that, you know, he had one, one loss and um, I think it's a lot of it, and at least for me, is not how the loss went down because we did that podcast immediately following the loss. And most of us, me, me and you, we were on the side of Aljamain Sterling um, because of what happened. Uh, and, and, and that was an illegal knee and the fight probably should have been stopped. What I don't like from him is all of the aftermath pulling out of this fight, getting, okay, I'm going to get next. I've been putting it off my entire, I'm going to get neck surgery. Now I'm going to get back surgery. I'm going to uh, completely, I'm going to get, get my nose. He's, he's taking, as long as possible to avoid that next matchup with Pilgrim, which is why I, we talked about this earlier. I think he should have been stripped. And I think this interim belt is for the unofficial best in the world at 135. Um, and I, I, and right now, and this is almost a question of who do we think is going to win between Pilgrim and Corey Sandhagen in the way. Um, and I just, we talked about this earlier too. I love Pilgrim and I just, he's so well-rounded is the thing. His boxing is phenomenal. Corey Sandhagen has, the better kicks and he's longer and he's a lot taller and arguably has more power, but the ground game from Pierre Yon, he took down Aljamain Sterling like eight times in their fight. He's so good. So good everywhere. I think right now, if we're talking best 135 or right now, I think it is Pierre Yon. Now let me present an odd one. And I know you're going to love this, but I, so we, I mentioned four fighters earlier, right? I do think that there is an argument, an outside argument for TJ Dillashaw being up there for the best 135 on the planet right now. Now, I know you're about to let me have it for just saying that, right? And I'm not saying that he is. I just gave my argument for Gary Young, but I'm saying that I do think there is an argument for it. He did at the end of the day, and that saying we disagree on that decision is kind of pointless because it was a, it was on verdict literally there was not a 0.001 difference in who voted for that. It's literally it was, the tightest fight that has ever happened. It was dead even. And, and after watching it too, you're sitting back and just like, you can't, you cannot be mad at whoever wins the fight. It's, it's going to be a good decision no matter what, as long as they didn't give a, you know, two rounds to someone. Um, but it's, it, I had TJ winning that fight. I had him winning the fifth round, just barely. I know you had Corey Sanhagen winning the fifth round, just barely. Um, now, not that that should decide who's the better fighter overall, but Corey Sandhagen did have some gaping weaknesses in that fight. Whereas TJ Dillashaw, most of the reason he was losing those rounds is because he would get rocked with those big shots. If we compare the fighters overall, I think the overall more well-rounded fighter could be argued, and I would actually argue it for TJ Dillashaw. Now, would I rank him above Corey Sandhagen and in, in the rank? That's a whole other conversation for a whole other day, and I wouldn't. But there is a definite argument that TJ Dillashaw is the better overall fighter. Then you compare him. Okay, how would you match up against Pierre Yon? Both so well-rounded. How does I mean? There's so many different ways. But the moral of the story is, I Bantamweight is stacked. I think there's there's four guys you could potentially have an argument for. Honestly, and this is ridiculous to say, the champion could be at the bottom of that list uh, that I just listed. And hot take i do think he's at the bottom of that list not that he's not a phenomenal fighter that just shows how stacked bantamweight is but for me pilgrion at the top uh probably Corey sandhagen second tj third uh aljamain sterling four um i know we didn't ask for a ranking but that's just kind of what i'm thinking as far as 135 goes pilgrion overall i think is currently the best bantamweight on the planet yeah um look i can't argue 
your reasoning for pure yarn because there's literally no evidence for me to use to argue it. It just hasn't. Happened. We have to see the fight. That's the thing. We just have to we see the fight. Have, yeah. Like, if Pure Yam beats Corey Sanhagen, I have no problem whatsoever. I'm not going to die on the Corey Sanhagen hill if he loses. Because if Pure Yam can beat Sanhagen, he can beat any 135 on the planet. And there is no argument to that. I just think when we consider the physical attributes as well as the skill, yeah. I think you're looking at by far the toughest puzzle Pure Yam has had to solve yet. Oh, and I don't, I don't yeah. think it's an argument. Yeah. And I think... When you now, I understand it was a different game plan for a different fighter, but if Piotr Jan comes out with his hands up solely against Corey Sanhagen, he's going to get hurt badly by the shots that land. Because even though Corey Sanhagen's wrestling defense needs improvement and quite strong improvement too, that's why he's flying out. I think Sergio Pettis and Rafael and Stocks, yeah, breaking news earlier today, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Very smart, um, yeah, very, very smart. Um, you know. What Jan has to understand is that the shots that were thrown by Aldo will hurt a lot more from Sanhagen because he lands, he is precise and he is clean. And look, even though I have my own various opinions on TJ Dillashaw, the argument is there to be made that he won that fight, but he should have been knocked out two or three times by Corey Sanhagen easily. And the only reason he didn't was because Sanhagen didn't push the pace. If he pushed that pace, we're talking about a different fight altogether. The fact is, Corey Sanhagen is a sniper and a sniper with the power of a rocket launcher. And I think what's so interesting about this fight is how Peter Yan takes true punishment and true damage because he hasn't been tested to the degree that he should have been yet. And he's going to get tested heavily by Corey Sanhagen. For example, how does he deal with cuts? Does he swell up? Does he bleed easily? You know, Sam Hagen has got razors for elbows too. If he cuts him up, it's interesting to see how he reacts. But I think realistically, and I don't even know if I'm being ironic or funny anymore, Bruce Buffer in the middle of that octagon is going to have to say this fight is for the disputed, undisputed, official, unofficial bantamweight title. Yeah. That's what it is. 100%. It, it is. it is unofficially for the official title. And realistically, there is, if you're going to... If you're going to make Francis Ngannou fight for an interim title, there is much more of an argument for this being for the full strap than the interim thing, especially if Sterling's going to be out for another nine months with neck surgery. Either way, this is going to be an amazing fight, and I cannot wait. It's for the people's main event. That's what it people's is. Event. I, I love it. And and I, I honestly am more excited, honestly more excited for this fight than I was for the Sterling Yan rematch. I mean, it's just this is the fight that we've been talking about, and we're finally going to get to see it, no matter what circumstance it's in. We were always thinking years down the line we're going to get to see this. No, we're getting to see it. UFC two sixty seven. It's going to be phenomenal. Um, and this this wasn't even about the fight. This is about the what best one thirty five er. But this fight is for realistically the best one thirty five er. We're going to get to see it. Um, last thing for me also, I think the biggest thing is not even the elbows from Corey Sanhagen. I think it's the knees. Whenever uh, Peter Young goes into that defense where he kind of goes like this and blocks a little bit, that leaves it open for the flying knee is there, and especially the body shots and like that. And just the height difference, I think it's very interesting to see how he handles that. He's not going to be – part of the way he defends is kind of by standing still and just absorbing it in like a shell defense kind of thing. Um, but Corey Sanhig and the way he moves, there's no way – Peter Young is going to have to be mobile against Corey Sanhagen, especially when he's taking shots, because if he's not, that's also part of the reason uh, TJ Dillashaw was able to survive is because he would always roll out of the shots. And even if he got rocked, he's always moving. He was never standing still. 
Pyongyang stands still. We're going to get to see really how good his chin is. Um, and that fight's going to be awesome. All right, guys. So now it's time for this discussion of the week. Let's go ahead and get right into it. This is a fun one. What is an all-time matchup? Prime whoever versus current whoever. Prime whatever versus prime whatever. All-time matchup that we would choose to watch um, and that we wish we could have seen or that fantasy that we could see. Um, Keelan, what do you think? Oh, dear God, there are so many, Jack. I mean, you, this this is like the ultimate UFC game for your PlayStation right? or Xbox. Yeah. Open weight, yeah. God, I don't even know. Like, where do you start? I got to admit, one of them is actually a fight that did happen, but it didn't happen with both fighters. At the I know what you're talking about. Yep. Are you sure? Well, okay. Am I, is it Anderson Silva, Israel Adesanya? Is that what you're it saying? Yeah, Silva, of course. Israel. Come on. I know it. <laughs> Survey says Jack knows. Because I was thinking that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, could you imagine just how good that fight would be? Prime I mean, Anderson that Silva. Be, that would be mind blowingly good. I mean, there's, there's so many fights in every division that you could say. I mean, I'd love to have seen. Uh, I'm trying, who was the other fighter? I'd love to see Prime Stipe against Prime Kian Velasquez. Oh, yeah. Oh, that would... It doesn't even bear thinking about it. It's that good. I mean, light heavyweight, I'd love to have seen Prime John Jones against Chuck Liddell. Because the, the reason I actually like to see that fight is that John Jones' single biggest weakness throughout his career has been the most basic weakness, and that's getting hit. Yep. And Chuck Liddell came forward like a sledgehammer like nobody else did, and he would have hurt Jones. And to see how Jones would have reacted to that and everything would have been so, so intriguing. Um, one other fight that I would have really liked to see, and I know we're sort of – do you know what we're doing here, Jack? We're going cross-promotion. because All this right, is let's do it. Yeah, see. let's do Kane it. Velasquez and Fedor. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. Like, can, can you see it? Can you see it? Oh, happening? yeah. I mean – Oh, man, it's just – this. Uh, I'm, I'm going to have to hand this over to you to see what you say, because there's too many for me to decipher at this point. Just just hit them with a jack. There's way too many, and we're getting into this because we're both way too much into MMA, and we have way too many fighters on our minds. But, I mean, let's go. I'm, I'm already thinking, and I Hunter technically said this in the group chat, but I had this on my paper before he said it, and it's Chuck Liddell versus Yuri Prohoshka, because that fight, it, we were just talking about how wild Chuck Liddell is, and, and also – People, Chuck Liddell's a legend. Everybody knows Chuck Liddell. He's one of the OG. He, he was the be, He was the guy that made the UFC first step into what it was, uh, into what it is now. Um, and it's because, I mean, look at how good he was whenever he beat Tito the first time, and then you beat him again. How good that version of Chuck Liddell was, was just incredible. The wild style, the Iceman celebration, just going out there, knocking people out, putting on a show. You love Chuck Liddell wild and then what else what other fighter comes to, to to mind when you name wild at light heavyweight yuri prohoshka guy comes into the ufc two fights has knocked out vulcan ozdemir and dominic reyes and is next in line for a title shot that dude is insane that fight would be absolutely bananas from start to finish and one that i'm already thinking about Another one, and this is a fantasy from if you're living back in 2010 through 2013 that you wanted to see, that everyone wanted to see, Anderson Silva versus GSP. GSP, 
Look, and I don't even know what version of GSP we would choose. Do we choose the middleweight version that fought Michael? Do we choose the 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 welterweight version at the time that was just destroying everybody? I think he beat Nick Diaz handily at the time. What version of GSP do you choose? You don't know. Anderson Silva, the goat at one at one eighty five, no questions about it. Keelan, your goat, and I absolutely love that number two in my list, right behind GSP. That is truly the fight of the greatest of all time in the UFC. And that would have just been absolutely bananas. If the UFC model was like it is today, we would have seen that fight. It would have been uh, a, a, for a champ champ status. And we would have seen that fight. Um, nonetheless, it's actually, it, it might be better that they didn't fight because now we just get to fantasize about it. And we don't actually have a definitive answer to who would have won at that time. Uh, but yeah, that fight would have been amazing. And one more I'm going to throw out. And and I love going back in time with these. I'm going to say, uh, John, I mean, honestly, Anderson Silva versus John Jones. If we're talking about, you know, I thought it depends on what version of John Jones we're talking about. If we're talking about the John Jones that absolutely, you know, after like Leota Machida, and then we have Anderson Silva at his peak, you know, that I would probably lean towards John Jones on, on in that in that favor. You know, you have the size and Anderson Silva most likely be going up. But if we're talking about the John Jones that um, maybe is just becoming champion, and, and it's not quite formed yet. And then you have Anderson Silva that's at his peak. They go fight at light heavyweight. I mean, that fight's bananas. And, and it would be absolutely incredible. It's size difference, a big one with that one. But that's another one that everyone's talking about. And that, that's a fight that actually almost happened at the time, too. I love the Cain Velasquez. Not, no one talks about Cain Velasquez enough. No one Exactly. Look, Stipe's the go to heavyweight. He proved that, and we got to love it. But second behind him all time is Cain Velasquez. There's no question. Well, maybe, okay, maybe Daniel Cormier. I would, okay, I would say Daniel Cormier, and then then you have Cain Velasquez right there. The guy was unbeatable at his time. The, the trilogy, the OG trilogy at heavyweight was Cain Velasquez versus Junior Dos Santos. I mean, if you go back in time, here's another fun one. I know I'm going to toss it back to you in a second. Mark Hunt versus Ty Tuivasa. You got two guys that will just go out there. You got the shoey in one, and you got Mark Hunt, two guys from the same area of the world. Going at it, same kind of fighting style, two absolute hands, and that fight would be that's just a random one because there's so many matchups we're talking about. I'll throw it back to you because, like, I mean, how do you even you can't even process this? This is just a fun one. We're naming like 15 different fights right here after another one because it's just so good. Oh man, um, I'm gonna throw out a few more just because I think I'm making them just explode. Yeah, DJ Penn, Khabib Nurmagomedov. Oh man. Okay, okay. The original BMF, the man who would literally fight anyone. And I think he fought at heavyweight at one point in Japan just to fight anybody that he could. That would have been an insane matchup. GSP, Khabib. Realistically, I said this in our GOAT discussion, the only black mark I have against Khabib's record and his legacy is that he should have fought at 170 because he's a natural 170 all day and all night. Could you imagine prime GSP against Habib? Just insane. I'm going to throw another one out there, and this is another guy who does not get talked about enough. Mirko Krokop. Oh. And who are we putting them up against, Jack? Francis Ngannou. Oh, my goodness. Whoa. All Rob right. Zilla All right. And King Kong. Look, take my money right now. <laughs> What's it? Left Leg Hospital. It's right Leg it's right, yeah. It's right leg hospital, left leg cemetery is 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 the is the go. Yeah. Could you imagine that against Francis and Ghana? Oh, dude, I think they'd break the octagon. I think they would. And here's another one for you. I yeah. technically he fought a light heavyweight, but I'm gonna move him up to heavyweight just sure. to make it fit. 
yeah. Pride Rampage Jackson against Derek Lewis. Oh my goodness. He, you know, he did fight at heavyweight in Pride too. He fought at light heavyweight in the UFC, but he fought at heavyweight in Pride. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, man, that would just be insane. And then, like, if this was my dream all time, like, eight fight card, you got a Randy Couture on there as Randy well. Couture, yep. He, Randy Couture. And if we're going to put him up against someone from today, who do we even put him up with? Just put him up with anybody. Yeah, honestly, I mean, I look about, think about Couture versus uh, if you did Cain Velasquez. We were talking about Cain Velasquez earlier. How amazing would that fight be? Too like that, that would be incredible. Verdum would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what. Here's a couple of other fights that I've got. Yeah. Um. Oh, who was the other one? I had a rip. Oh yeah, 2015 McGregor against Max Holloway. To, like today, Max Holloway, the Calvin Cater Max. Today, oh, Max man. Holloway, 2015 oh, McGregor. I know, I was like, yeah. And this is another fight that should have happened, and it's a disgrace that it didn't. 2016 McGregor against Kevin Lee, Tony Ferguson. That should have happened, and it didn't, and it was an absolute disgrace that it didn't happen. That would have been a, just a killer fight. So, I mean, look, people, you can see where we're going with this. We could literally put anything together, and it would just be the best thing ever. Jack? Hit them with what else you got. Look, I'm just saying, we're talking about all the fights right now. I mean, we're going, we're going way back. I love the BJ Penn shout. Uh, let's let's talk about let's talk about um, Demetrius Johnson um, versus. Okay, they fought before, and I would have loved to see this Dominic Cruz after he beat Uriah Faber the second time versus Demetrius Johnson at the top of his title reign at 135. That like would have been one of the best technical matchups you could ever see. They fought before, but it was both. They weren't developed into the absolute legends that they are today. Goats of their weight classes. That is a fight that I would have absolutely loved to see. I would have also loved to see prime Cody Garbrandt versus prime uh, Dominic Cruz if they went at it. Because we saw Cody Garbrandt got his number, but that was not, I would argue, like if, if Dominic Cruz didn't have injuries and everything like that, Oh man, that would have also been a fascinating matchup that we that we would have been able to see. There's so many different, you know, ways to go about it. Yeah, yeah. What about Prime Dominic Cruz against Peter Young? I'm just saying, yeah, that's a fascinating one. That's absolutely fascinating. Dominic I mean, Cruz's nickname should have been the Code Breaker, not the Dominator, because Dominic Cruz could break down any fight and style in front of him. I think that would have been one of the best bantamweight fights ever. Arguably the highest IQ MMA has ever seen. Oh, yeah. From Dominic yeah. Cruz. Uh, just his game plan, his style was his own style. It was it was phenomenal. Um, I'm trying to think of a uh, – well, we've almost hit every single weight class. I mean, it's just – it's so – there's so many matchups, and I, we won't go any further, but you can just picture it. Think of any fighter. Hey, put it in the comments. If you have any uh, other fights that we missed out on, which, of course, we missed out on, uh, put them in the comments, and we'll, we'll – Kill we'll like Look, yeah, name fighters. Put them down there, match them up. Doesn't matter what the weight class is, just put it down there. Uh, phenomenal podcast, Keelan. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. As always, make sure to like and subscribe on YouTube. Uh, you can listen to us everywhere, literally everywhere, including iTunes and Spotify. Follow us on Instagram at MMA.island and check out our website, MMAIsland.net. Thank you, everyone, again, so much for listening. Great podcast, Keelan. Amazing podcast, Jack. Thank you. And people, leave your suggestions in the comments below. I might even respond. To some- <laughs>